1: Um, welcome along to the 90th Academy Awards. I'm your host, Jimmy Kimmel. And I'm not your host, Jimmy. And who are you, man? How are we going? Yeah. Oh, my goodness, hold on.
2: Yeah, I am um, Alexander Jones, the, the host of InfoWars. Um, they're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> they're, um, they're, they chemtrails, they're everywhere. It's a problem. If you don't think it's a problem, you need to wake up Sheeple. Um, Sherson. Is that a single
1: Sheeple? Is it Sherson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I must say, I'm glad you turned off the light in the other room because that would have really affected you the say audio quality. It would have. Just much like the text you just got.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, oh, God. Do
1: you want to read it out to the, to the group? To okay. the audience?
2: Uh, it's from someone who's been nicknamed proud f- furry in yeah. my group chat and they said something that oh they sent a um a, a photo of a book called unexplainable cousins so okay thank congratulations proud f- furry you, you made it in um what a strong start to our yeah. final oscar episode of the year well wow. yeah no spoilers but yeah it is our final oscar
1: episode of the year
2: is it a spoiler if i say it a second before it happens. Imagine you're sitting in the movie. You're sitting in Empire. Empire Strikes Back. You've never seen before. And Darth Vader's is like, Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. And so leans across and goes, Darth Vader's his father. And he's like, I am your father. And you're like, woo. You-? No, okay. <laughs> you've ruined the whole movie. <laughs> you've ruined the entire Star Wars. You, you've ruined me. five
3: seconds. Yeah. For me. No, I think you've ruined... You've, you've definitely ruined episode one through three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you could argue George Lucas ruined that. Oh, alright. Enough sick burns on George Lucas. We're here to talk about the Oscars, the Academy Awards. They're this Sunday if you live in the States, this Monday if you live in the New Zealand. And if you can find the dodgy, buggy website where I can stream it for free, please
2: send it through to Cult CultPulture.com. So I can watch it live.
1: All right, well, yep, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> uh, but we, between us, mm-hmm. well, not, not between us, just all three the of text. us, have seen all nine Best Picture nominees, mm-hmm. whoo- which makes us qualified to talk about it.
3: Yeah,
1: I have opinions.
3: To talk about.
2: All right, so
1: what we're going to do is we're going to go through each of the Best Picture nominees, we're going to have a quick sort of discussion about what uh we thought of them and if you look in the description for this episode there'll be time codes of when we talk about those films so if you haven't seen one yet and you don't want to be spoiled in any way uh you can skip past it so we're going to talk about those we'll give a somewhat spoiler kind of reviews and then we're going to go through the categories uh now that you once you know our opinions it'll inform what we think of each of the categories and how we think they're going to go working our way up to best picture
2: oh that sounds so eloquent dude you should be. You should be. Um, you should be Winston Churchill
1: from oh. Darkest Hour. All right, and uh, of course, the first film we're going to talk about is Dunkirk. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it's the same film as Darkest Hour, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Dunkirk came out earlier in the year, mm-hmm. and it was one of those films that we've spoken about this on the previous episodes of our Academy Awards podcast. That. Uh, the Academy tends to forget about films that came out before November, December, and so it's it's cool that Dunkirk got a nomination, and it's uh, <laughs> I believe one of the most nominated films. It's got uh, eight nominations, it's actually the second most nominated film wow. behind Shape of Water. Uh, so, what did you guys think of Dunkirk? We actually all saw it together, I believe. Yeah, we did. We're in the same cinema. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So next, well, like, we didn't just happen to be in the same cinema. We turned up to the movies together. I was like, "Hey, Richard, what's going on? <clears throat> hey,
3: where you going there?" Uh,
1: so. Aaron what
3: did you think of it um I thought it was probably the most like visceral cinema experience I've ever had like what it reminded me a lot of Mad Max um Fury Road in the sense that like it was two hours or like an hour 40 an hour 40 of me being like oh my god oh my god they're gonna die they're
1: gonna die just non-stop
3: adrenaline yeah 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 yeah. I mean, I think that's probably helped somewhat by the, like, ticking soundtrack. Yeah, that's, um, they're
1: a real good soundtrack, is it? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I saw the thing about how it, uh, it... It gives the the feeling that it's ramping up throughout the entire movie, that the the entire movie starts at, like, zero and ramps its way up to ten, which obviously it can't do... It, like, they will be too gradual. So, it, like, you know, starts at zero, goes to one, two, and then quietly loops back to one, then goes two, three, and then loops back. And it creates mm-hmm. this forever ascending effect
2: <laughs> <laughs> i, li- I like dunkirk um it came out the same week here as baby driver and it was it sort of came down to the two of them for a lot of like you know yeah. everyone was talking about what one's going to be better and i went to dunkirk first thinking what well, we all did thinking that baby driver would be the better film of the two mm. and it was not
1: yeah i <laughs> it was unfair to see mm dunkirk first yeah because it's they're, they're just not even on the same yeah, yeah. Length.
2: baby driver is like a fun cool movie dunkirk yeah. was like i have been transported so yeah no, I, I really like dunkirk um yeah i mean i'm um, is a it is a surprise like a, a happy surprise to see it in the oscars you know considering it came out so long ago and no one's had kind of an interesting relationship over the years with academy awards and his films yeah so yeah
1: do you uh think that it could win best picture do you think it, like, deserves to be there?
2: It deserves to be there. I don't yeah. know if it would be the best picture.
1: No. Uh, well, that's all we have to say about Dunkirk, I think. Um, Harry Styles is in it as well. Yeah. Michael Caine <laughs> wasn't available. <laughs> they wanted <of> Michael Caine <laughs> <Kane> for <laughs> Harry Styles' role. Yeah. Um, young Michael Caine. But another film that came out even earlier in the year uh, is a little film by the name of Get Out. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So this came out in February. It's actually the second... Uh, Ugh, sorry, the first film since *Science of the Lambs* to be nominated that came out in February. It's very early, like yeah. it
2: feels closer to, and it would be, wouldn't it? It'd be closer to the last Oscars than
1: yeah. than this Oscars. Well, I mean, yeah, it came out before the last Oscars, really. There yeah. you go. And in the states, we got it way later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, *Get Out*. It's this is one of the films that I'm so glad is nominated, yeah. and I love the fact that Jordan Peele from *Key and Peele* is an Academy Award nominee, director of all things mm-hmm. as well. Uh, yeah, get out. It's it's such a enjoyable movie, and as three white <laughs> men, you know, like uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but <laughs> I just want to mention the fact that you know, obviously, we're not like the people who are going to get the most out of it. Yeah, but we can still appreciate it in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, and and that's you know, that's in a way is more transformative, right? Because then it's taking people who aren't necessarily the tiger and we kind of are like we're you know it's it's like saying something to us yeah and and in vast terms like it's a movie aimed at like a general public of which we are yeah um but you know you go more niche with it i guess but yeah no it was a a film that makes you think and um yeah no i'm glad to see it in the the oscars as well it was people were talking about it for a while people were saying like oh yeah i'll get get into the oscars but i was always pretty Mm. Skeptical of that.
1: Yeah, it, it was a dark horse. Mm. Excuse the pun, um, mm. but <laughs> it's it, yeah, it was a dark hour. It, we'll Not, get to it. It, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, the darkest. Stop segueing. <laughs> it wasn't like the darkest hour. Um, yeah, Aaron. So when did when did you watch this film? Quite <laughs> I, recently.
3: Ironically, yeah. Of all the movies, it was the most recent film I saw. Really? I saw it yesterday. <laughs> um, the first film to come out. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. Um, and yeah, I think it was. I think it was a great film. Um... Yeah, I think in terms of what it had to say, it was an amazing film and, like, so interesting to to, to use that genre as a vessel, um, you know, to say... Like, I mean, I guess the horror genre is always kind of, like, used as a metaphor for
1: something else, like, when it's working yeah. well. Um, and the fact that the horror genre has always been quite racist. Yeah, <laughs> true. And, and yeah. like, the fact... Because, like, Jordan Peele's talked about this in interviews that there are now, uh, like, African-American or, like, black horror college courses and it's like get out's the only one
0: yeah. and and
1: this is yeah. his, his words kind of thing and it's like there's you've got neither living dead yeah um and get out and that's it yeah and um this short college course yeah, you just
3: watched
2: those two movies, I don't know. and then yeah. and, and so
1: he's like crashed the courses and stuff like that, and mm. gone. In. It sounds it sounds pretty good. He'd like being in that class because they're like, um, "All right, what do you think uh, the director meant by this shot?" And just this like hooded man in the back the back row goes, "Yeah, I got an opinion." <laughs> <laughs> and he, and like flips his stuff back. It's Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he says like all the times when people are, like asking him all these like deep analytical questions about the film, he's like, "Yeah." yeah that's what i meant yes. <laughs> that's it that's it like yeah um, he, he, it's it's i love that he's getting this sort oh, of yeah. thing because he's he is he's a very smart man but he's also like not taking himself too seriously like directing a prestigious oscar film was often quite
2: it is yeah it is removed from the talking about race with it i was also surprised to see it in the oscars i guess because and this is spoilers for get out um uh the fact that the like the reveal and like the crux of what the the true horror is is that they're removing brains from from uh white people and putting in black people's bodies is very pulpy it's very like sci-fi twilight zone kind of stuff the type of stuff that i would have wrongly assumed the oscars was too highbrow for like Mm. it's it's very i love it but it's it's very um it's hard to take it it's it's not as serious as something like the post or darkest hour (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is <that another> segue <laughs> <attention>? <laughs> yeah it doesn't it,
3: yeah it doesn't sit with you like immediately as like an oscar movie but i think that's like like it's so well made but it's also great that it doesn't
1: sit in the category of like well this is gonna
3: take all the oscar boxes mm, totally yeah. Right. yeah like
1: the fact that it is just a good movie that the oscar's happened to be recognising is like such a breath of fresh air for the Academy Awards. We've spoken about it at length over the last two episodes of this, Mm. but yeah, to do, they're finally just recognising good films and maybe it's an overcompensation for the Oscars so white and stuff like that. I mean, that's what, you know, you could read into it like that, that this year is by far the most diverse year the Oscars have had. Mm -hmm. And it's like, would this have been like that, you know, five years ago or are the films being made? as a response to that or are the Oscars finally recognising these films they were always there yeah Yeah. and as we also said regardless of which way it is
2: it's a good thing
1: like this, this isn't
2: something like yeah you could say it's tokenism but it's not like Get Out was a bad movie
3: no it's not like
2: it didn't deserve to be there yeah
3: and in its defense um my dad still still regularly on skype calls tells me how good get out (laughs) was, and even the last skype call i had he he again reiterated to me that it was a movie i had to see because it was so good Mm. and this was a movie that came out the same time
1: last year yeah so next of course uh aj's been gearing up to talk about this uh, we've got Ladybird.
2: <laughs> yeah! So, Winston Churchill as Lady
1: Bird. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Ladybird, of course, it's a small town, sort of slice of life film. Uh, I think I was kind of surprised by how little happens in it. Mm, this this was yeah. one that was getting so much buzz. It's like a, oh, not very long, it's under two hours long, sort of quirky comedy directed by Greta Gerwig, who's like a mumblecore darling. She's mm. like known for that genre kind of thing. And... Yeah, it's just a nice film that it's it's hard to really fault. And it, it, at one time, it was the best-reviewed film of all time mm. on Rotten Tomatoes until someone decided they didn't like it, and now Paddington 2 is.
2: Paddington 2 is the greatest movie ever made, apparently. <laughs> Which is a crime. Itself,
1: um, <laughs> so what did you guys think of Lady Bird?
3: I want to say...
1: Um,
3: what do I want to say about Lady Bird? I would say, uh, ranking-wise, it was in the top top tier I would say of Oscar movies that I saw Um, I think yeah I mean like you say it's a film where not that much happens but it's it's all the more interesting because not that much happens you know you start to dissect these really like small nuanced part of life um, and then like that's somehow more like enriching than just like a lot of plot if you know what mm, I mean yeah. um yeah I think some of the scenes between um Laurie Metcalf and CSE Ronan was just like yeah it's, like insanely good and really like true to life like the way that people attack each other and sort of deal with that stuff
1: yeah there was like there was some really nice small character moments like there was one that I loved where and it uses this, like, infidelity as a plot line which I'd take issue with. And especially the fact that everyone seems to forgive it if it's a character finding themselves and, you know, when, when they they have a straight relationship and they cheat homosexually. Yeah. And that's what happens in this film, is that her first boyfriend, uh, she finds him making out with a guy in the bathroom, which is a very quick scene as well. Yeah, that, that was, that, that was yeah. a poor, poorly made scene. Like, story. so it's literally, like, the camera's behind Ladybird walking to the bathroom and then for like 10 frames you see her open the door and it's Lucas Hedges' character making out with a guy and she leaves the bathroom just as quickly and it's like for, for it's, the, for the, it's like, just enough to for the
2: one thing that happens in this movie it was very brief yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then
1: later on so they they break up and they, and they stop talking and, and everything like that but then later on he comes to her work and says like please don't tell anyone I like, you know, and she, she's quite mad at him for cheating on him, obviously, for cheating on her, obviously. But, uh, and then he says like, you can't, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not allowed to be like this. You can't tell anyone, please. And he breaks down and, and she just immediately, this like maternal instinct takes over and she just hugs him and lets him, you know, break down in her arms. And I thought it was a really nice scene. It says a lot about the character and, specifically about the type of daughter that the mother raised mm. yeah
2: yeah um i i struggled quite a bit with with my feelings for ladybird not because nothing in, in my like heart is anywhere close to like disliking it it's just i when i think of like my favorite movies and the the oscar movies that i was able to really like dig into um i'm such a story guy i'm such a what is the story kind of person and I, I love character and i love cinematography and all that stuff but i don't that's something i kind of like absorb after i've seen a movie or like upon rewatches. so my first watching of ladybird it was real hard to figure out what i felt about it because there is very little story um and it's a, n- a bunch of really nice moments that Im- my immediate reaction was it'd be cool if these moments were strung together with a story Really not and like we talked about this um richard when we we're driving back from it was that uh it kind of it feels like a a more realistic grounded version of the movie juno would you agree aaron yeah yeah that's yeah. less,
3: less r- ridiculous yeah it's yeah, like yeah. a good version of juno yeah
2: <laughs> and but even juno was about being pregnant at a young age right that was what juno's about what's yeah. ladybird about a Graduate, girl finishing ladybird, high school yeah, yeah. yeah um but i really liked the i, I and, and i should say and upon reflection I, I think about it more and more and every time i think about it, i like little aspects of it more and i definitely am going to watch it again um i really liked the scene right at the end um massive spoilers massive spoilers related uh, where she calls her mum and leaves a message and one of the things she talks about is like um when the first time you drove around sacramento did you feel emotional and i loved that because it's like that doesn't mean anything but she's still making time to talk about
3: yeah, it. Yeah, but it also means, like, like it doesn't mean anything, but it means so much yeah, because, exactly. like, yeah. it's so specific to those mm, people and mm. to that place and to that time. And I think, yeah, like, you... you, you I've never been sacked, you know, you've never been sacked, no. but, like, we get what that means to be, like, yeah. Yeah. you know.
1: And it's also just about, like... And I think a part of that, I mean, I this is how I interpreted it, is that, like, the way you feel driving by yourself for the first time yeah. is, yeah. like, the most amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah. Yeah, because like, I think that, that, that that's what it is, is that like you've been a passenger for your entire life in this place mm. and now you're in control. Mm. And that's
2: such a special feeling. And, and the cool thing about her saying it in that moment is that she didn't seem like a character who's conscious of all the things we're analysing it for. Yeah. It seems like she was just kind of letting Mm. her subconscious speak for her without really understanding it yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. well because
1: it's obviously like a metaphor as well for the fact that she's now moved out of home and she's been a passenger in her mum's life for so long that now she's Mm, cutting her own path totally
3: yeah i think the more i think about it probably like ultimately a a movie about like transitioning from like childhood to
1: adulthood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's quintessential coming of age film yeah yeah but it's uh yeah like I, i want some boyhood described as life with all the interesting parts taken out mm. and i love that like genre of films like a little mm. subgenre genre film of like these just so slice of life films that aren't really about anything it's just it's character essentially and yeah. so you've got like boyhood there's like the before sunrise trilogies kind of like that and uh yeah ladybird's a classic example as well and yeah i, I fell in love with it i i I thought it was. I kind of went in expecting to not like it, just because it had been so hyped. Because New Zealand doesn't get this. For we Ladybird came out on the fifteenth of February here, and it came out you know months earlier in the states. And so we, I, I because the hype machine had been going for so long, I kind of was expecting to be disappointed by it. And I probably for up to the halfway point, I was like, yeah. I can see why people like this but then there's something about it like it all just came together yeah. eventually and, mm. and it really yeah nice so next up Phantom Thread oh Phantom Thread this is an interesting one because this was one that I remember there wasn't a lot of buzz about uh, Oscar buzz about it because it, at the Golden Globes it didn't do so well Daniel Day-Lewis was not there was wasn't it's only nomination for Best Lead Actor <laughs> but I mean here it got um Best Director which is a, a pretty good sign and obviously it's Best, Best Picture nomination as well what did you guys think of it?
3: I think for me, at the end, I was like, I think I You're understand. Probably, probably gonna
1: have big spoilers for Phantom Thread as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. The big twist.
3: Um, at the end, I like. Like, I understood intellectually that I had seen a good movie, and they had all these, like, component parts to make it a good movie, but there was something about it that didn't make it, oh like, gosh. a transcendent
2: Maybe movie for me? I completely
3: agree, dude. That's putting into words how I felt about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, all, yeah, as you say, all the parts are there. Yes, great acting. Yes, a constructed story. Yes,
3: uh, great directing. But it was, like...
2: I'm probably not going to watch this again unless I was doing like a Paul Thomas Anderson marathon. Like, yeah, yeah.
3: and there was something about it that like I don't know. I felt like somehow I'd failed to like get. Yeah, man. (laughs) You know, but like feeling all the time. There were so many good parts to it, but I was also just like at the end. I was like, man, it's a good movie, but. Will I think about this that much in uh, the next couple of days? The
2: the part that and I I don't know if I've talked I think I've talked about this to a few people I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast. Um, it, the part the thing that got me was I don't know what it was, but something about the trailers or the gossip surrounding it led me to believe it was going to have some kind of hidden agenda revealed halfway through. Like we t- we used the metaphor of um. Uh, from dusk till dawn have you ever seen from dusk till dawn no nah. so spoilers i haven't even seen it i just know what happens so, <laughs> spoilers from someone who hasn't seen from dusk till dawn it's essentially like a, a a crime movie that reveals halfway through that it's actually a vampire movie oh yeah so i was expe- i wasn't expecting vampires but i was expecting phantom thread wasn't gonna be what looked like you to most...
1: be more phantom menace yeah, yeah yeah
2: i i wasn't expecting phantom Thread to be the boring movie it looked like from the trailers and it was and it was very well made and it wasn't even I wouldn't even say it was boring but it's about a grey haired dude sewing like that's not a movie I'm going to be running to the cinema to see so I was expecting some kind of hidden and it kind of was with with their kind of the rules of their relationship being established but it wasn't a
3: flipping the movie on its head kind of twist no but also when you get that moment at the end where he's like I mean maybe your best best place to explain
1: the twist yeah well so basically midway through the film because uh, he, get, he gets married to or they, they he falls in love with his assistant he kind of this this woman he falls in love with her before she's even his yeah, assistant and um halfway through the movie she he's quite rude to her and she decides to poison him and she only goes with a little bit but it completely it, he's bedridden for days and she's the one that has to take care of him and then after that she he realizes I actually love this woman, I'm gonna ask her to marry me, and, and he proposes. And then uh they're they're fine for a while, but again he gets quite controlling, and so at the end of the very end of the film, the, the entire plot of the movie, the very end of the film, uh she makes we see her making a poison omelette for him, and he basically Acknowledges, he acknowledges yeah. that he knows what she's doing, and then eats the omelet anyway because that's how to strengthen their relationship. It's their sort of weird, kinky relationship, and apparently it's based on his actual. He got the idea. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson got the idea for the film when he realized how much he loved Maya Rudolph when he was sick. Nice, interesting. I could <laughs> they're, definitely they're married, see ex- yeah.
2: extrapolating that idea into a film. Like, yeah, yeah. Being yeah. like,
1: yeah, like when you're so vulnerable um but anyway so you guys kind of wasn't 100% there for you for me I absolutely loved it I I love Paul Thomas Anderson anything he does and there was something like AJ you said the movie was f- like because a lot of people said that how funny the movie is and you felt like it didn't feel like you were supposed to be laughing yeah Whereas, I mean I found it I thought it was quite funny I
2: didn't think it was funny whenever someone laughed I'd be like oh that's kind of weird I don't it think that's be. funny yeah. 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 <laughs> not in like it, I didn't find it funny more like I feel like they, they were laughing at, at what stuff that wasn't intended to be funny yeah whereas I think
1: it definitely was intended to be funny
2: I mean I'm probably wrong because yeah. it sounds like ridiculous. I
1: mean like da- like having Daniel Day-Lewis being like oh chic, what the fuck does that even mean I hate that word yeah, it's yeah. like that is a joke right. that's funny whereas like because it be- it's in the middle of like, because it is this prestigious art house film yeah. you're like oh that's they shouldn't have put that in there because I find it funny. Mm. Whereas like, it's like, no, it's a, it's a joke in the film. Um, yeah. I mean, like you guys said that everything about it is so well made. It's like, like the, you know, the, the gowns at the center of the film, every single thing about this film was so meticulously crafted. Mm. And for me, all that together made like a perfect film. And I, I didn't have this expectation of, vampires um like some the yeah, lunatic. I, well, I, didn't, I didn't think it was gonna be vampires i thought maybe
2: werewolves maybe <laughs> yeah. aliens phantoms phantoms ghosts well i mean that's probably close <coughs> yeah well there it, were some to kind be, of to be fair to there
3: probably was a ghost element to it
1: yeah
3: that was scary do yeah, you guys man. think that
2: scene was scary we were watching that i was like and if this was nested in a horror movie i would find this scene terrifying yeah
3: yeah well, I think that's kind of the point, though. Like, it's a horrifying experience for her, mate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, would you guys rank it in your bottom halves? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: Probably. Just. Yeah. I'd say it would be the top of the bottom half.
1: Yeah. To be fair, I probably would as well. But again, it's like... For me, it's because the the top half is just so stacked that it's yeah. like, oh, it has yeah. to be in order. It's not like, oh, I get you... This, yeah. like, this shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, next, we have The Post, which AJ and I saw a couple hours ago. Um... This was one that it feels very... Like, Steven Spielberg read the script for this in February. um, And there was um I want to make this this year. Because, I mean, it's kind of... It's the right time for it to come out. Because it's the press fighting the government. Which is so, obviously, you know, the the times we're living in. But, yeah, I'll I'll let you guys sort of say a little bit about it. It does
2: feel like this was... Steven Spielberg's just a superhuman and was able to assemble this film in time yeah. like it feels it feels very oscar-baity it, it's very topical like it, as we're talking about how get out doesn't tick all the boxes this ticks every fucking box of the oscars yeah meryl streep tom hanks like steven, steven spielberg, spielberg. Yeah. period piece yeah, about yeah yeah, like, yeah totally.
3: like...
2: uh, that being said i actually really enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i would, yeah, so. I would as you as same with what you said about fandom 3 i'd still probably put it in the bottom half just because it doesn't explicitly like
1: Take any of your boxes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But but watching it and it was just it was it was I was nervous going into it because I was like, am I even going to understand what what the drama yeah. of this movie is about? Because yeah. like I don't, you know, and even now I could not really tell you. Uh, maybe I, I could probably tell you, a little bit, but but like right, of, go for of it. the well, so, so essentially the, the Panama Papers detailed that America chose to keep fighting in the Vietnam War even though they knew they were going to lose, as well as rigging things and all this sorts yeah. of sorts of stuff. I was worried. I wasn't going to understand any of that. It was going to be all political jargon and I wouldn't understand what any of it meant. However, you don't actually have to to fully um, experience the drama of that movie. The drama of that movie is that there are sensitive documents, the government doesn't want it published and these people have a responsibility to publish it. Yeah. And that's all you need to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
1: and basically you get enough... It's interesting because I can't really think of any times where there's like an audience surrogate of someone being like, this is why the Panama Papers, the Pentagon Papers are important. Um, it's... It, you just kind of find stuff out, but it, there are small snippets where it's told in very easy to understand language. Cause a lot of it is like, mm. yeah. And, and, and you said after the film as well, that like once you can understand Tom Hanks' role and Meryl Streep's role, you can understand the film. Yeah. yeah. Because it does take a while to be like, okay, is he her boss? But then he yeah. calls her his boss.
2: Yeah. And she's, she's a publisher. I don't know what that means, but I mean, she's in charge. Like, yeah.
1: She's the one that actually decides if story runs.
2: Um, I said Panama Papers before.
1: Is that Yeah, a yeah. Panama Papers is a more recent thing.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. That's funny. Yeah. Funny.
2: Hilarious.
1: <laughs> should... what, you, what did you think of it, Aaron? You, you were more on the I was of... more
3: on the It's a Paint by an Oscar movie, which was like... Oh, it, is. It's, a it two, is. it's two hours of the trailer is what I would say. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that makes it transcend two hours of the trailer is Meryl Streep's performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like... It's... Cliché. It, her performance is like... Like, there are just moments that it transcends, like, what you expect her to do or say or whatever. Like, mm. like the moment when she's actually deciding to um, publish the papers it's at the end or whatever. <laughs> it's the best scene in the movie. But, like, you you know in your heart that, like, they do it because, you you know, like, historically... Why you know, would they happened. make the film if yeah, they didn't? because <laughs> it would be silly. Mm. But there's, like, something about her performance that makes you think holy oh my god she's not gonna do it she's not gonna do it and then she does it like there's something about that for me that was like that's real talent to be able to like suspend an audience's like disbelief even though they know fundamentally yeah and
1: also like and it's worth mentioning as well that that scene is without words it's it's a camera slowly zooming into her face and so someone's basically it's like you have to say yes or no and then there's this like slow zoom and you see every thought going through her head mm. and then she's like do it yeah yeah.
2: and I think as well it's great because it's the climax of her emotional arc where she starts the movie as like ignored in meetings full of men you know like they, they yeah. ignore what she's saying and she's very much like a a, a shunned woman um, in, in over her head and it's cool that she develops into a strong female character but doesn't start as one
3: like yeah. she starts as like the stereotype and then breaks breaks free and it's not even necessarily like strong female character like her mm. performance in the iron lady or whatever it's like it's strong for that particular
1: person yeah at that yeah. particular time yeah than yeah, exactly. yeah i like strength, am a strong person now strength yeah. means something different in, in each situation kind yeah. of thing mm. yeah i um i also love that we kind of get this weird insight into uh what steven Spielberg likes in tv <laughs> because you've got like Tobias Fionke um, from Arrested yeah. Development and also like the uh, Mr. Show with Bob and David are both in it and like Bob Odukirk's also in Medical Soul and Breaking Bad and yeah. Fargo and then you've got like Jesse Plemons and, um, <laughs> and Michael Stilberg from Fargo it, and yeah. it's like and then like Allison Brie even from like... Zach,
2: Zach Woods from Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. And, and it
1: is like all these... It's like character actor heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you've got the two biggest like powerhouse actor, movie, star actors, movie characters. Actually, like, actually, the actually two. The two. Um, <laughs> like yeah. this is the two most beloved yeah, yeah. like people as well. And so you like Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, and then you just fill it with people that you recognise from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: half of those people only have like a minute or two minutes in the film. Man, eh? yeah. Some I mean. of them just
1: like cameos that he just made with, them, mm. did with his friends. But yeah, yeah. there's um. The next film we're going to talk about, that like this is kind of an interesting one because it is the most nominated film at this Academy Awards. 13 nominations for The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Um, this, so this is the big one. It's been picking up a lot of awards. Um, but, and everyone's saying, you know, it deserves to win. It's beautiful and everything like that. I think you guys kind of echo my feelings a little bit, but I wasn't in love with it. I, I can understand why everyone likes it yeah. but uh, yeah it, it kind of just didn't do it for me and I, I'll let you guys sort of state mm. your main problems with them, with it or like or, and, or what you thought of it really and I think I'd probably have the same sort of feeling yeah
2: it's, it's the same as it's like it's another paint by numbers movie but instead yeah. of an Oscar bait it's an art house del Toro movie yeah. you know like yeah. it's everything about it is like constructed to be have this Bioshock kind of like style to it um and overall if pe- people say did you like shape of water i say yeah it's really cool um
1: yeah. it's a movie i there's a lot of movies that i enjoy but wouldn't recommend to people this is like the opposite of yeah, that totally, where it's like totally. go see it you'll like it but yeah. it, it just wasn't the
2: idea. i think my biggest issue with it was that and I would say spoilers for Shape of Water, but I feel like this has been pretty well publicized as the main point of the film, is that it's about a woman who falls in love with and has a sexual relationship with a fish monster, right? Now, I didn't buy it. I went in there going, great, del Toro, show me how I can believe that a human and a fish monster would fall in love, because I don't believe it going in show me show me the the scenario in which this makes sense and i don't actually think it got there the fact that the monster was he like eats a house cat before they hook up yeah and like like in a few scenes before it shows that he's still like an animal that fully doesn't understand the world and i'm not going to get into conversations about like age of consent and stuff because i think
1: it's a bit superf, superf So age of consent age of consent well because he's like isn't he like an ancient god oh true okay. so well, he's more, like thousands well, of well, years yeah.
2: well more like <laughs> too old like, to could he consent because he doesn't understand yeah the world like I'm not gonna get into that because it's such a it's a fucking fish monster so it's yeah. like yeah. it's such a superfluous situation but I just it was more that like I wanted to see them have a genuine connection that showed he was ev- all human beyond how he looked and communicated and I still <laughs> finished the movie thinking he was you know, 70% still a wild animal.
1: Yeah. I, I, I was most, the same as you, I was most looking forward to the falling in love montage because I was like, it's so ridiculous from it's from the outset that I want to see it be humanized and this beautiful relationship. Yeah. Cause everyone talked about the beauty of the relationship and everything like that, because you know, we, we had to wait months for the film, but then you just get, ah, oh, I'm scared of this fist monster. I'm going to give it an egg and now I'm in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean,
3: you know, even just the having, the having sex with a fish monster, like... <laughs> well, I, what, you wouldn't? Like...
2: Would you rather have sex with a fish monster... Or Sally Hawkins. Or <laughs> would you rather have sex with a fish monster, Sally Hawkins, or try reason with a tiger while your head is in its mouth?
3: <laughs> Stop trying to segue <laughs> to <laughs> Darkest Hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I know you're supposed to, like be able to be like oh well, it's just love transcends all but like it doesn't It's like a person <laughs> having sex with a turtle yeah, like, yeah exactly yeah it, just the, it exists um, There's something about it that's just like I know I'm supposed to be accepting of it but I just you know like yeah, that, and that, be- that's a shame because that's the as
2: we said, that's, you go into the movie, you're like, love does transcend so much. How am I going to see it transcend the barrier of species? Yeah. And I don't believe it did yeah. in this case. I, mean, I believe that's possible to show. I don't believe Shape of Water did it to its best of It's about 65% there. There's, like, there's a, <laughs> a really...
1: like I struggle to call it a really good scene. But there's a scene where... Because Sally Hawkins is mute. The, the, mm-hmm. the character is mute in the film. And um, there's... A scene where Richard Jenkins' character uh, says to her, basically says, like, why why are you doing this? And she says, say out loud what I'm saying to you so that the audience can hear it. Um, And then she signs the speech to him, and it's this impassioned monologue, but she actually isn't speaking, and that's going to be her Oscar scene. But she basically says, when he looks at me, he doesn't see that I'm a freak. Mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't know I'm different mm-hmm. and it's like I love the idea of that but that scene for me wasn't the I need to you know tell people there's this one amazing scene in <laughs> The Shape of Water which I've there's a movie we'll get to which I've been doing that for. being like you have to watch this because there's one amazing yeah. scene um, from Darkest Hour no. <laughs> no it's the scene where he says you can't reason all the title oh, okay. it's in his mouth. the one on the trailer <laughs> yeah. but yeah that that should have been the entire movie is yeah. that this I'm finally accepted by someone because he doesn't understand that I'm different. Yeah, and instead it's like one scene and, and it well, comes. but the, you just said my problem
2: is that there he doesn't understand that she's different. He should know she's different and see past that because he doesn't. Un- he doesn't understand she's different because he's a freaking animal.
1: Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, no, but like the idea of of her—that's her attraction to him—is yeah. that like he's the only person that. Looks at it normally, yeah. A, so, even though it's with weird fucking fish eyes <laughs> and, and, a,
2: and a penis that retracts, apparently. <laughs> um, so, in summation Don't go see Shape of Water. It's overrated and shit. <laughs> Agreed. It, it's probably
3: the closest. Isn't, yeah, it's definitely overrated. If, 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 if we'll put it this way, if no one was praising it, I wouldn't be. Yeah, shitting. Yeah. yeah. It. I mean, my thing is that, like, as much as it's a movie about all of these things. It's also a really just like quite cliched, tropey kind of a movie. Yeah, totally, like totally, the, man. Yeah. Honestly, the moment when the like evil dude has like sex with his wife and he's like, "Don't talk, baby. I want you quiet." Like that's the moment where I'm like, "Oh, come on!" Like we get it. He's the he's the evil guy. Just like
1: yeah. oh, just... <laughs> Just I kind of like that bit though because he's like got his fucking he gets his fingers like bitten off and then reattached and they're like they go rotten yeah and so he's like had these weird interactions with like domination interactions of Sally Hawkins character who again is mute and um then he's having sex with his wife and he puts his fucking rotten fingers all over her mouth and it's like don't talk because he's he's fetishizing Sally Hawkins and then also like putting his yeah I didn't or, click
2: putting, until like just before the end of the movie that that's why he did that. Really? I thought they were just showing he was like a misogynistic asshole. and then I'll, Which he is as well. But, yeah. like, but then I was like, oh right, it's because Sally Hawkins is... Yeah. But it's
3: also <laughs> the scene where he's like, he's a misogynistic asshole. This is the evil guy. Yeah. This yeah. is the guy you can't like. like. Unredeemable. Yeah. So many of the other movies are about like, like nuance and mm, like To just like see grey areas. Yeah. And just to see that... Like done like that is like oh man just yeah. come
1: yeah. on possibly the best sort of film we're dealing with areas of grey morality is three billboards outside of Missouri <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah so this is
2: not the darkest areas of morality just uh, <laughs> yeah
1: it's um we'll get to that this time. is the one that has kind of um it's been picking up a lot of the awards I guess this is the closest thing we have to a front runner yeah uh, for best picture at least and. What do you guys think of this? Because I know it's me, you and I, AJ, we're looking forward to this movie for quite a while because In Bruges is one of my favourite movies. I'd heard about this movie like three, four years ago and I've been waiting for Martin McDonagh's next film. And I'm glad that it's good enough to be mm. Oscar nominated, not even just Oscar nominated, but like the potential frontrunner um, because Martin McDonagh's amazing and yep. his, yeah, I've loved all of his films. So. This is my only go-see-this-movie
2: movie of the Oscar run. This is the only one that we're where after seeing it. I've told everyone, sorry, someone just came through a door. <laughs> I've told everyone, go see it. It's amazing. I loved it. I loved almost everything about it. There's a couple of scenes which I might talk about later that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But other than that, like, it's I love how I love how um, I love how offensive it is. I love how un PC the yeah, humor yeah. is and in an attempt to show you. The, how imperfect the world is and how like like i don't know i love that i love when you cross a line especially with, with a joke to shock but it's also got like an intelligence behind it like, like
1: there's one specific one where i was like "Fuck!" when it flashes back so the the setup of the film if you haven't seen it and i'm just about to spoil it for you uh is that francis mcdormand plays a grieving mother whose daughter was raped and murdered and she puts up these three billboards just outside um, Ebing which is in Missouri, and uh, oh. they say, "Raped while dying, still no arrests. How come, Chief Willoughby?" And it's a, it's a, you know, call to action for the the chief of police. We, we like have comment and subscribe. But <laughs> um, she, it flashes back, so she, you know, um, it flashes back to presumably the night of the rape and murder, yeah. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Fras McDonnald's like basically no, I'm not gonna pick you up. You can walk home. And she's like, oh, why well, might get raped? And she, and the last thing she says to her daughter is, I hope you do get raped. Mm. And it's like, fuck, mm. yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people, I think a lot of people said they didn't really like that, and that was just kind of stupid. And but I was like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I
2: like that. I like how flippantly they talk about the fact that Sam Rockwell's character is like horribly racist and um tortures like black people, and they they call him out on it in a way that's like you're actually a piece of shit and an unacceptable. Member of society, yeah. and I'm not going to relent on making fun of you because it's all they have. All they have yeah. is to make fun of this guy. Yeah, yeah. so I, yeah. I really, I really like stuff like that. And there's
1: also the bit where Peter Dinklage says, "E.S.T. is the little boy's room," and there's just like a beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but
3: yeah, he. I think he understands. His character definitely understands his own like humor.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah it's definitely a good film. There's a lot going on in it as yeah. well. I would say, uh, yeah, you've got a great. It's a, it's definitely like an actor's film, I would say, and like a writer's film. Yeah. Um, well, maybe uh,
2: that's why I liked it because it was like the combination of both things that I can immediately grasp. Yeah. Onto. Next
1: year there'll be like a podcasters film. And yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: oh, uh, like, oh. Obviously, I should have been in this film. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah no, like you got great performances from Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's it's definitely it, it's understandable. That it's the front runner. It's it's one of the most enjoyable films like you can walk out of it feeling quite good like you had a good oh, like
2: time depends what type of person you are it is very dark yeah 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 like so i wouldn't be surprised if like my mum or dad probably wouldn't enjoy it that much because of how graphic and dark it is yeah. yeah
3: i want to say this film's probably the like quintessentially opposite of um uh of the phantom thread because like right. the phantom thread is like a meticulously crafted movie whereas i feel like this is more about like how messy life is
2: yeah man you Yeah. Know?
3: like then that's 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 part of the reason that i think it's such an amazing movie is that like when i finished watching it i was like the it fe- there feels like there's something missing from it to make this like a truly transcendent movie but also that's exactly why i love it because it's so like perfectly it's, imperfect yeah it's perfectly imperfect but like you know it's like it's messy how life is messy rather yeah, than like you know it's messy how movies make life messy yeah you know what i
1: mean uh yeah we talked about this ages ago on our um, episode of the film franchise Fortnite. so we talked about back to the future how movies you know you get like some movies are so bad they're good and then you get um talking about actually probably what phantom 3 is for you guys that it's a movie that's so good That like in every aspect, it's so meticulously crafted. There's nothing human about it almost, and you don't connect with it. Whereas, because three billboards is like flawed and it's like it's a bit messy, it makes you enjoy it more because it's so human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And it's, I mean, it's it's such a perfect like combination with its subject matter, you know, you, like cuz grief is so messy, you know, like and like dealing with, you know, your daughter being raped and murdered is such a messy thing, so it's good that the film's structurally and like how it ends, you know, like not knowing what actually happens at the end yeah. is still messy and you sort of mm. you get to understand that like these events like your daughter being raped and murdered they don't have, like, a tie-off point where you're like, okay, I'm fine with life, now I can go yeah, on. Yeah, there's no closure. You know? It's like... It's like it's just one of those things that happen yeah. that, like, your life will never be the same and there's no, like, end point of that yeah. Yeah. grief. The The only thing I didn't like about this movie
2: was um, Woody Harrelson's wife, Did it? <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Chief Willoughby, played by Woody Harrelson, they cast this lady as his wife. Abby Cornish. Is that her name? Yeah. And she, first of all... She's way out of his league She's Australian She's Australian And she's gorgeous And like All, all and three way of those younger, things Way, way younger. younger All three of those things Just combine into this like I know this could happen in real life, but it's so distracting. And it's never explained. Yeah, it's, they never go, well, no, like, that... when I found you in Australia...
1: found you. Like, when I met you in Australia. Uh, well, she or... does go into detail about how great his dick is.
2: And that is the worst scene in the movie. I and... thought that was such a bizarre scene. Well, no, scene that explains it.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: but how a... would she know? <laughs> Until she gave him a chance. <laughs> the, yeah,
1: that scene... I think she... love just transcends that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah.
3: She, she, she... It's the, the...
2: They've just spent the day together, and... He he's like you know whispering sweet nothings in her ear, and she says it's been a good day, and he goes yeah, and she goes and you got a great cock, Chief Willoughby, <laughs> and I was like, what dialogue is like? I, I hate to say it, but it feels very written by a man for feels all very
1: what, written by Woody Harrelson,
2: <laughs> 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 like there's yeah. Do, do you guys agree that that kind of that was like the only part where I was like this was a poor judgment? Yeah, <laughs> I love that.
1: Your favorite thing about it is that it uses like you know kind of oh, sort of moments to yeah, draw you in and your least favorite moment is well because it, it wasn't it.
2: it didn't feel
3: intelligent it didn't feel like yeah, it it didn't had feel a reason, reason for it. it it was just yeah. like yeah yeah, I can feel that. Why does the Jeff Willoughby <laughs> have that. to have a great, great cock. <laughs> a great cock? What has that got to do with anything? Again, I guess it's like the relationship's not just like meat. Because, you know, like there's the whole romantic thing and then it's mm. just under like, You got a great cock. I'm yeah. going and to have may, sex with you may, right now. Maybe. And, and
2: that is, when I first saw it, I was like, there's got to be something I'm unable to read into You're this. you like, all right,
1: I'll just wait until the end of the film. His great cock's going to well, come back I'll, into
2: it. I'll, re- I'll read some comment online in, in six years when I'm looking at Wikipedia that'll be like, the, some essay someone's written on, and be like, even this scene, which could be seen as you know, yeah. kind of raucous, could is actually meaning this. Yeah, if you're a fucking idiot, yeah. you, might, you might not have gotten the subtext. I, so, I mean, I, if anyone wants to chime in, I'd be interested to know if people have any thoughts on if there's any substance to yeah. that scene, or if it is just brazen.
3: Yeah. Why did
2: the line need to be there? Why did yeah. it have to be the word just "cock"? cock. <laughs> what, what could yeah. have been any word? <laughs> yeah. Would you would you have preferred dick hmm Penis? I, know, penis? I don't know I don't know. I maybe Shlong? there is a there is a there is a delicate romantic one to say that. Yeah, diddle. You've got a great
1: weenie, <laughs> I love your big stiffy. Yeah. <laughs> um Peenie. <laughs> yeah, well so for me, Three Bulbard's out, outside in Missouri, uh, I really enjoyed it, but in a sense it's quite hard for me to talk about or really like you, you know, like a lot of films you need to let them like sink in kind of thing. And this film uh, for me, I was, and I did this to myself. I, I kind of, it wasn't fair to, for me to watch three boards when I did, it was the second film I watched this year because on the 1st of January, I was like, you know what? I've never done this before. I'm going to go to the movies by myself and I'm going to go watch two movies. And I watched the second film. I watched three boards outside in Missouri. The first one was the next one we'll talk about, which is call me by your name. And, Oh, what? So how can you, Oh, <laughs> how can you fill a day with that? Like call me by your name. Might be my favourite film out of all of these. Mm. Um, and we're going to go into, into pretty big sport this for Call Me By Your Name, but it's kind of also necessary to like... For what I like liked
2: it. about the film, I couldn't I couldn't say without talking about the, the ending. Yeah, yeah, so
1: the ending of this film, the last 15 minutes of this film, is some of the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's a scene that the credits roll over part of the film. So it's not like cut to black and then credits. It's, it's the scene, the, there's something still going on and then the credits roll and then it continues for a little bit. Um, but I, I had a, I, I had like, by and I had finished like six Oh five and, uh, three billboards started at six o'clock. So it was like, I'm going to have to race out of the cinema. So it was like, as soon as the title came up, I was like, okay, I need to leave. And I was like, Oh my God.
2: <laughs> Imagine if you had, I know. Oh, you would have missed the entire like bow tying of of the yeah. whole God. movie.
1: Yeah, the. Should we
2: talk about what happened? Like not not too specifically, but just yeah. to give it.
1: Well, yeah, the the last scene, uh, the last shot that I'm referring to is a close up of the lead actor Timothy Chalamet's face um, as he's processing a piece of information, and he's looking into the fire, and it's the the song "Visions of Gideon" by Sufjan Stevens plays in the background and it's this moment that not only the character but the audience is just left to reflect on everything that's happened for the last two hours mm-hmm. to like 200 bit hours and it's the way I sort of describe this film when I first saw it is that like for two hours I was like okay yeah I can understand the praise but it's, it's not it's not for me and I can accept that, and then the last 15 minutes it it takes it's like a Trojan horse of emotion, where um, you don't realize how invested you're getting in these characters. An emoji like, horse for me, anyway. Emoji. I'm just going to ignore that. Um, <laughs> you, know, um, you have to acknowledge it now. <laughs> it's out but there for me. Yeah, like I didn't realize how much I cared. I didn't realize how how deeply I could feel what I felt at the end of the film.
2: Wow, it's yeah. it. I I felt. This ex- almost exactly what you're describing is how I felt. And again, up until the last 15 minutes, um, give or take, I was like, "Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it, yeah, give it some Oscar noms It's cool. It's I, I haven't related to it, but it's cool." And then that with that last shot of his face, I related to everything about that movie. Yeah. Like you, you watch him, and at first, it's it's about. I, I want to say it's about three minutes. Yeah. A three minute unbroken shot. Of just him staring at a fire and it's so you can see the fire like reflecting in his eyes um and it starts and i'm like oh yeah and then it goes on you're like this is going on too long and then as as you realize it's gone on too long your your mind fades to what he must be thinking about and you start thinking about how he must be feeling and then he does like this little like like half smile and you give a half smile because you're like yeah i remember that part too yeah. You start remembering all these, these funny little nuances of his life. And it's just, and then he like glimpses directly into the camera for like a second and then like turns around. Yeah. And it's like, he looked at me. We know, yeah. I know you. I know everything about yeah. how you feel right now. And, and it's so. It's oh. not even
1: only that in the last 15 minutes or so. So there's also um, Michael Stolberg, who um, completes his hat trick of um, Oscar nominated <laughs> films because he's also in The Post and Shape of Water, mm. um, delivers this beautiful beautiful monologue to mm. his son Timothy Chalamet and it's like it's indescribably good. It's exactly how you'd want your parent to be. Yeah, mm. and, and Michael Stuhlbarg in this film, I've described him as a cross between Joaquin Phoenix and Robin Williams. It's that he, he yeah. kind of looks like Joaquin Phoenix, but he the the way he delivers this beautiful, beautiful monologue to his son is straight out of Good Will Hunting. Yeah. It's like the kindness in his eyes, the reassurance, the sincerity, everything about that is like peak drama Robin Williams, and it's like in, in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. Gorgeous, and then, after that there's like a, a scene that takes place on the phone, and it 's just incredible and yeah I, I I was not expecting to love this movie as much as I did, even though everyone told me yeah. everything I read was this film was yeah. the best film you've ever seen. At,
2: at the ending is able to recontextualize everything you 've seen up until then, and that's really impressive because it yeah. takes a bunch of events and a, and like kind of a loose similar to ladybird like a story that isn't really a story it's more just portraying a life um there's more specificity to it, it was a bit to like a relationship but then that those last 15 minutes took all of that that I was in, like absorbing but not really like re- responding to and it made me love it and it made me love the characters and it made me feel what they were feeling you know
3: yeah i mean i think yeah, I had a slightly different response to it because I think I loved the movie from like start to finish, yeah. and was like the, first, the last fifteen minutes, like yeah, I, I just tell you I, I liked
1: or enjoyed the film, yeah. and then absolutely fell in love with it.
3: Yeah, yeah, but like I mean, yeah, just I think all oh, this is one of those sorts of films where like it's amazingly deeply felt, and so feels like so intimate, but it also has all those things that like c- you know. F- filmically contribute to it being great. Like, even, like, uh, some of the stuff, maybe you think it's too clichéd, whatever, like, the stuff about how, you know, how sensuous the, like, the Roman bodies of, like, the statues that they're talking about. And even just the way that nature's shot and stuff, like, it's all kind of unconsciously, like, sensual and, like, sexual. Like, I mean, probably the greatest example of that, like, um... Nature and like the humans thing coming together is like when he 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 jerks off with the peach, <laughs> yeah. um, which is like scenery. it's not he jerks off with a peach. It's not. I mean the sound the sound mixing for that scene is just it's off the charts. Yeah. Um, but like Are I don't they nominated for sound mixing. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's I didn't like the scene, but it's it's such a great example of how like the environment of the film and the way that it's shot just, like, so completely helps the the narrative of the scene and, yeah, yeah. makes it a transcendent film for me and it's such, a, like, emotionally and deeply felt film that everything kind of works together, but not in a conscious way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting as well, like, being a straight man, like, being able to, like, see a scene that is so sexy, but I'm not, like, attracted to it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not something... Yeah, like so there, there are gay sex scenes in this film, but um, or, like you know, more kind of love scenes than like sex scenes. But like, it's shot so sexy, and the chemistry between the mm. two actors is so passionate. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't have any. It's,
2: it's like this uncanny valley of arousal, where it's like my my eyes are reading an arousing scene. But I'm not, you know, it's, and it, I'm pants. not gay, so it's like... It's but I'm no, not gay! It's not like, it's not like, a, I'm not fucking gay, alright? But it's it's not like a, a you know, a, a heterosexual sex scene where, you know, there's that bit of like, ah, yeah. it often. Yeah,
3: yeah. but it's treated in such a way that, like, you see it and you're like, I'm it's, not, yeah. that's not, like, I get, I yeah, can I'm not feel, <laughs> I can feel it without, like... Feeling it, yeah. If you yeah know what it's I mean, hard, it's like, tardily, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there are a lot of
1: heterosexual scenes that are
3: only sexy because you're like mm. Mm.
1: they're showing, you know, the, yeah, the TMA. thing
3: that you like. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, it, like this is, I would definitely recommend this film to anyone. Yeah. This is this is I, one that's like. Whether or not you think you'll like it just goes there. I was yeah. able
2: to like it once I started thinking of it as a foreign language film. <laughs> it's the, the dialogue, it's, it switches between a couple of different languages throughout it. Um, but the dialogue in English I actually found quite jarring at first because it's very... Either, people are either talking about poetry or they're speaking in the least poetic way you could. They're like saying... Mm facts they're saying, they're very matter of fact in the way they speak they're saying how they feel a lot of the time and initially i was like it's kind of weird that like they're yeah. just they're just speaking like this but then i started to think of it like well i mean what's like we watched the hunt the other day which is a danish film and if you if you read those subtitles and people were saying those clinically translated english words in real life call me by your name is kind of what it would sound like
1: when <laughs> you speak <laughs> like English. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different style of mm. filmmaking. And, and also, like, you were kind of uh, not weirded out, but um, the relationship he has with his parents, that he's like mm. just openly talking about his sex life and stuff like that. And I think that's just like a European thing, is that yeah. they're very sort of comfortable with that. But I was also going to point out that if, do you guys notice that not only is Timothy Chalamet like have in Ladybird and. Um, uh, Call Me By Your Name he has like a scene where he um, a like sexual kind of scene is ruined by a nosebleed but then um, also like three times across two movies he comes real quick <laughs> <laughs> he also speaks French in yeah. one of those films yeah like um. so there's like with the peach um, when he like loses his virginity in um, in Quads in um, Call Me By Your Name oh, true. and then also when in Lady Bird he has sex with um, Lady Bird and Mm-hmm. yeah ejaculates very quickly mm-hmm. um I hope he's not typecast because he's a very good actor <laughs> um and then so I think that's all the best picture nominees so <laughs> I,
2: I actually um, think we're this is uh, quite a, a dark moment for you Richard I, I know mean, you hate being being wrong how you've, long have we talked, for us, probably like only an hour. an hour in Richard an hour and you've, in, you've already um, you've already, and already I know I know you hate it when I kind of override your your captaining of the podcast and I don't want to put my head in your mouth uh yeah. And try Reason with you. Um, but I don't want to but check what? your yeah. Halifax. <laughs> um, Alright, yeah, there is one like, more. You win stun, you lose stun. So it's...
1: <laughs> Keys on the table, completing the trilogy. Um, Alright, I'm done. I think um, it's more than a trilogy at this point. Um, yeah, so there is the... Well, it's actually just called Darkest Hour, I believe. Mm. Uh, yeah, what do you guys think of this? I know this is one that you... Were dreading watching uh, AJ.
2: Yeah, I, I I did. Okay, so I actually quite enjoyed it. But going into it, uh, like I I went into it at the perfect environment to watch it. And I think Phantom Thread and Lady Bird were two movies that I wasn't quite ready. Like, I'm, like, like I was kind of tired. It was like, after work, like to go and see. Yeah, I well, yeah. watched still Phantom Thread on the weekend actually. I don't know, but anyway, you're always tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm always tired. No, I think you might have been hungry. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: All at the same time. Oh, fuck, fuck, tired <laughs> and, um, and hungry. But I watched Darkest Hour as homework for this podcast, sitting in my bed at like eleven because
1: that's where you can watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at like
2: eleven p.m. at night, and I just loved it. It was great. It was great because it's like, um, it's, even though no one's gonna defend Hitler, it's still great to see a time where people were kind of. Cutting Hitler a little slack, and this one guy being like, "No,
0: <laughs>
2: like, because so so." Darkstar is essentially about. It is about. It's, it's the other side of Dunkirk. It's the other side Dunkirk, but it, it's about um, the basically Neville Chamberlain, the English Prime Minister, is basically pushed out of office because he's not doing a great job with, with with the war effort, and Winston Churchill is put in his place, and none of his party likes him because they all want peace with the world they want to have peace terms with Hitler
1: they, yeah, want, they to. want to try and reason with a tiger while the head is in his mouth
2: yeah and you just can't you he, just can't do it as he points do it. out you can't, you, can't you can't do it, it. <sighs> um and and Winston Churchill basically is like no we're gonna go to fucking war no he but, says you can't reason you with can't tigers. you can't do it and it's so it's just badass like it's just he's just a badass in it and I, and I Gary Oldman yeah, yeah. Gary Oldman is, is so good in it and it's not i mean it look <laughs> on the outside it looks totally like a i'm going to win an oscar kind of performance but it actually is really good the prosthetics that he has on them look 100% real yeah. the accent he does is so full and fresh and like true true to what i know of how he, how a actual spoke and like it's just a it's just a great fuck yeah we we one world yeah War two a moment in history of, where like yeah. someone stood up yeah and they were right.
3: like yeah yeah what happened to that yeah what happened well, to people
2: standing up for what's yeah, cause, right because what it is, is is imagine if he didn't do this yeah yeah we would have well and also I, I just
1: i love watching films like this where it's like i have like such a kind of trivial knowledge of mm, something yeah, like yeah. so even like the pentagon pa- papers and stuff like that like seeing these historical films where it's like made into like a little digestible thing right? yeah, yeah, like, this. Yeah. like after the post i just wanted to go watch all the president's men because mm, yeah. uh, well i suppose for the post looping back around but it's not really is that it, it ends with a tease for a sequel <laughs> kind yeah. of, about like the um the, the, the nixon cinematic universe <laughs> of like it ends with um a tease of the watergate scandal because it's like, oh, that was tough. Let's not go through that again. Mm. And then Watergate heaven. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Watergate's another thing I don't know that much about. But All the President's Men kind of starts where the post ends. So I want to go watch that. But yeah, um, Dunkirk was like... Because Dunkirk deliberately never shows you what's happening in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you now in see... England. The, in England. In England. Well, yeah, whatever.
2: <laughs> it is in Europe. <laughs> it's in Europe. in
1: Europe. I, I suck at like... The yep. difference between Europe, Britain, Great Britain, What's England? the difference between
2: Britain and Great Britain and England? Are they all the same thing? See, that's the thing I uh, fucking yeah. England's
3: like. different Great
1: Britain. Anyway, anyway, moving um, on. Yeah, so seeing the other side of it is, is really interesting. And yeah. like Because it's after Dunkirk, you kind of have this peaked interest in it. Mm.
3: Yeah, it is so interesting to see. Because obviously we all saw Dunkirk first. It's so interesting to watch a film having more information about what it's like. For the like, you know, little specks on the canvas for you know mm. the, the the people in the darkest hour. Know, sorry, no, I was just gonna say yeah. It's, it's just it's interesting to think whether my experience of of um, darkest hour would be different
1: if I yeah, hadn't yeah. seen Dunkirk.
2: Has is this the first time it's happened where two best picture nominees have been about like the same thing?
1: Um, probably. I mean, uh, enough flakes for fellas and letters of, from Iwo Jima. Were uh, year. Yeah. But those are deliberately made to be two sides of the same story. Yeah. Right. I think they might have be been different years. But, um, yeah, so that's all those films. And just a couple of interesting things about the um, the films nominated is that this year has the highest number of actors who have appeared in more than one Best Picture nominee in a single year. So you've got Timothy Chalamet, as we mentioned, is in Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. Lucas Hedges is in uh, Lady Bird and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Caleb Landry-Jones is in Three Billboards... And Get Out, he was also in The Florida Project, which didn't quite make mm. the cut. Uh, Tracy Letts, Lady Bird and The Post. Catherine Newton, Lady Bird of Three Billboards. Nick Searcy, the Shape of Water and Three Billboards. Michael Stilbarg is in Coin By Your Name, The Shape of Water and The Post. And Bradley Whitford is in Get Out and The Post. Uh, Chalamet is the only one that's got a nomination. And Stilbarg is the first actor since Thomas Mitchell in 1940 to appear in more than two Best Picture nominees and not get a nomination. Wow. Crazy. for himself yeah which is crazy Michael Stuhlbarg is the VIP of these, these Oscars yeah yeah just yeah. like every role is just like oh there he is mm. oh yeah especially by your name. oh but, yeah um, yeah so let's go through the individual categories the nominees. so best VFX that's visual effects oh we've got Blade Runner 2049 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Kong Skull Island Star Wars The Last Jedi and War for the Planet of the Apes
0: now, know. visual
1: effects refers to so your visual effects and special effects. Special effects is practical effects. Visual effects is computer generated. Right. So, my thinking is it's not even a competition; it's war of the planet apps. Because mm-hmm. so much of that is yeah, right, and and yeah. because it's so like it's it's integral to the movie that this looks yeah, yeah, good.
3: Yeah, and the New Zealand connection. Yeah, yeah, we
2: yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the Oscars consider. Them oh, <laughs> like, what
3: about Richards um, oh. going into bat for them rather than right, um, right. yeah,
2: yeah? I, f- I feel like that's the most likely contender. My my personal favorite, from what I've seen, because I haven't seen all of those films, will probably be Blade Runner, just because I like the that. only
1: one you haven't seen is War, isn't it? Is that
2: what, yeah, it will be Blade movie. Runner,
1: uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Kong, and Yeah, yeah,
2: I guess like, I haven't yeah. even seen War. Yeah, but I, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is probably my favorite of them. Maybe, maybe I'll see War and be like oh that was
1: way better <laughs> yeah well I think it's like I mean judging it based on the merits of the visual effects like even as going back to Rise of the Planet of the Apes that was so amazingly well done and then they've got like mm. you know eight years of advancements of, of that out. technology yeah. so and, and also yeah like I said the film lives and dies based on whether yeah um, so it's more important believable. that
2: the VFX
3: look good in, in war for the Planet
2: of
1: the Apes yeah and the fact that they do in the film did so well yeah yeah I, um,
3: Aaron? Yeah, I can. I, I've actually not seen any of these movies, um, which is pathetic. But yeah, I mean, I trust your. I trust your opinion on War the, for the you Planet not seen of the Blood Apes. Road? No, I haven't yet. You I, talked I, about I, a, yeah, it. Yeah, no, I got last time. I got. I got sidetracked because <laughs> I had to watch you know, ten movies in a, a week and a half. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'd I'd probably accept that War from Planet of the Apes is, deserves it. You know, yeah. just based on the volume of stuff mm-hmm. done, but also, you know. Lucky That's the one I would put my money on. Yeah. Uh, so well,
2: then, th- those are two different questions, isn't it? What do you? Which one do you want, and which one would you put
1: your money? on? Okay. Well, which one do you want? Uh, Blade Runner. And which one would you put your money on? War of the Apes. Right. Uh, best film editing. This is an interesting one. So you've got Baby Driver, Dunkirk, I Tanya, Shape of Water, Three Billboards. Uh, I'd say Baby Driver and and kind of Dunkirk as well have the most like showy editing. Yeah. Right? Those yeah. are
2: the only ones I think of editing. For. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Itonio. No. Itonio I kind of has. You, you feel how kind of choppy the movie is. Yeah. Um, whereas like Baby Driver is like what what, what VFX is to War of the Play of the Apes. Editing is to Baby 100%. Driver. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they won the BAFTA recently. Um, yeah, but that's because yeah, it's British. Yeah, film. British exactly. Yeah. Um, the BAFTA. <laughs> like I never talked about the Oscars via Circle Jerk, but it's like Hugh Grant and Paddington Two was nominated for BAFTA. Like the yeah. BAFTAs are a circle, you yeah. win? No. Um, Paddington Two is
2: the greatest movie ever made, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, Come on. I, I rescind my comment. Thank you. Yeah. I, um. This one, I'm interested because I feel like Baby Driver probably could win it. Uh,
3: yeah. It just doesn't seem like the sort of movie that would
1: win an Oscar. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Do you think um, it's got the like spicy stigma attached to it?
1: Yeah. Maybe maybe I mean, like if they if they did did a re-edit where they managed to edit out that would that would be Oscar worthy I mean, like,
2: like the, the clip they show for Baby Driver best editing has Kevin Spacey in, and everyone's just like why would you choose that clip? <laughs> why that one um, <laughs> why
1: I, it's, they should have nominated um, All the Money in the World for the fact that they edited out Kevin Spacey <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a that's a good idea actually <laughs> yes. I'm not even kidding like that's actually that that is legitimately good editing like these are showy editing which is good editing Yeah, but like You know, have you you done any video editing, Aaron? No. So, so... Wait, no, I've done a little bit. Okay, so... Oh, no, I Oh, actually, I've done a little bit. The, 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 I you know, the idea, the philosophy behind good video editing, as is the philosophy behind a lot of crafts, um, especially in the movie business, is like, if you don't notice it, it's good editing. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, All the Money in the World.
3: <laughs> yeah, but is that more good editing because, like, they really managed to smang out a good movie and, like. <laughs> yeah, maybe, weeks? maybe
2: is what I'm saying. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so we would going to have to reassess then. Um, yeah, we only watch Best Picture noms. I missed the likes of All the Money in the World and Ferdinand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that's. I don't know, like, Whiplash won a few years ago, and that's one where it's like. They like, talk about if you don't notice it, it's good editing, whereas Whiplash is one where it's like. Even if you don't know anything about editing, you can tell it's a well edited film. Yeah. But I think like things like timing cuts to music looks really impressive. It's and, also and it's like,
2: kind of easy to do. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It and thing. it's
1: like it's that's like edit, editing one oh one if there's music. Yeah, you like to the music. Yeah, yeah, cut to the beat. But again, like, I mean Baby Driver just does it so well that yeah. I would almost be willing to put my money on it. Yeah. Either yeah. there or maybe Dunkirk. Yeah, it's between yeah. those two for sure. Mm. Uh, unless un- unless they do the Shape of Water clean sweep of the Digital Hall Awards, which I kind of have a feeling my might happen. So next we've got Best Costume Design. We've got Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, Fandom Thread, Shape of Water, Victorian Abdul.
3: Oh, Victorian Abdul for sure. <laughs> I, yeah, you got to give it to either that or... Um, I was kidding, I haven't
1: seen that. I'd go Fandom Thread. <laughs> yeah, I would
3: say Fandom Thread or Victorian Abdul because they're both period pieces and yeah. costume. Like, you know, that's the greatest well, actually, chance actually, every film on. there
1: is a period piece. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, that really. Um, uh... The I think um, Adventures of Pris- Priscilla, Queen in the Desert is the only non-period piece film to win in the last like 30, 40 years. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, sorry, I should clarify
3: that they're both like set in periods that are far more like costumey, showy kind yeah. of eras rather than. Yeah, but, I
1: mean, I get like Phantom Thread has, like, it's got a nomination for. The crux of the film is about like Baby yeah. Driver. Oh, again, I did not even like,
2: think of that. Of course, like yeah. Phantom
1: Thread is about costume design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, but then you've got like things like Beauty and the Beast and Dark Star and stuff are all very kind of. Does Shape
2: of Water count because he's wearing a costume as the, as the guy playing the fishman? Well, or is that more SFX or VFX?
1: Um, I will talk because I know well, like. Let's just put it in our, our bets for this one. I would I would say Phantom Threads. Yeah, because same. Yeah. Um. But makeup and hairstyling. Uh. That the Shape of Water, it's fully a makeup suit. Yeah. But the nominees for makeup and hairstyling: Darkest Hour, Victoria, Abdul, and Wonder.
2: Is Shape of Water not even nominated? No,
1: it was. That wasn't. That, I remember that was like a month before the short the nominees came out. There was like the shortlist for a few categories. And for some reason, Shaper Water wasn't on there. And that's already like the biggest snub. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Darkest Hour though, has this one hands down. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's the best prosthetics I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Kind of film. Like, I mean, I feel like he probably could have just put on that weight with all the scenery he was chewing. Um, <laughs> when did you write that one? When we were at the supermarket. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the the fat makeup on. Oh on yeah, I feel yeah. like that's pretty
2: pretty easy to
1: do. Yeah. Work. Now, here's a here's a trick on cinematography. Oh, <laughs> oh don't do it. So you got Deacons for uh Blade Runner, you also got Darkest Hour, uh, Dunkirk, Mudbound and Shape of Water. Mudbound, interestingly, first female ever to be nominated for um,
2: I haven't seen Mudbound, but that's not why I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I just didn't get around to it. But those are some great choices. Like my, yeah. my allegiances is wanting to go to Blade Runner just because that's Blade Runner's only real Oscar chance. Yeah. And that was my favourite movie of 2017. So I'm going to go Blade Runner, but Dunkirk or Darkest Hour could take it out. I don't think Shape of Water would. Yeah. Shape of Water's very understated in its cinematography I think
0: mm. well no, some, no understated is yeah. the wrong word to yeah. use but it's
2: not like it's not notable because of its cinematography the cinematography is like plays second
3: fiddle to yeah it. it's not as like deeply beautiful or yeah, insists yeah. itself upon
2: yeah, it.
1: thanks, and, yeah that's what I mean yeah, yeah we're, like I, I, I hope Blade Runner wins it cause if Blade really Runner beautiful. doesn't get it I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna have my, I might cry I'm never picking up a camera again <laughs> <I'm> never, never. <laughs>
3: yeah I mean I haven't seen Blade Runner but I just hope he gets it but you know Darkest Hour and Dunkirk, just like beautifully shot films as well. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like hard to fault it if they did win, but yeah. just yeah. just give it to your boy, Rog.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is that just like let
3: him have it, just most, just let him have
1: of, it. Most of them, if they win, I'm not gonna be too upset, but I'll just I'd, I'd love for Deacons to finally win and, and Blade Runner to win as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next we've got production design. Um, so this is you know sets and, and everything around that. So you got Beauty and the Beast, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Shackle of Water. I would be leaning towards Shape of Water myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because
2: that's that's that whole like you have to you have to buy a lot of shit from secondhand stores and and, yeah. <laughs> and eco stores to make something like uh, Shape of Water.
1: Yeah, the the, the <laughs> yes. lab that it takes place in and their apartment and everything like yeah, that is, yeah. is very well. Yeah, put I'm together. sure.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure. Big Hollywood production companies. Don't go to secondhand eco stores as much mm. as amateur
1: filmmakers do. Yeah, still. I mean, Blade, Blade Runner again. It's it's one that this is probably one that it might have a chance for. Yeah, the, like like the world that Blade Runner creates. Yeah, yeah like yeah. even from the first one, it's like every sci-fi film. Wants to be Blade Runner. So I then. wonder
2: if that uh, strike against it though, because the judges might just be like, "Oh, it's derivative." It's, yeah. it's, it's the
1: same. This was already, or it's building stuff. upon, yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: like an already existing one.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now you got, um, yeah, I could, I could see Dark Style winning it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, it's the period piece thing of of just creating everything. It'd be interesting
2: to go back to these um, these awards that are often won by period pieces. And go to the year that that film is set, and see which Oscar won that, won year. that year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and next, we have got two that I only just had to find, just found out what the difference is. So you got sound editing and sound mixing, and for the first time in Oscar history, the nominees are the same. Um, so you've got Whoa. for both for, for both of them, you have got Baby Driver, Blade Runner, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, Star Wars. Last year, though. Um, so. Which one do you think had the best sound editing? Which one do you think had the best sound mixing? Can
3: you explain the so, difference between those
1: two things? Sound, uh, like if you're doing post production on a film, the sound editor is the one that like finds all the little sound effects and puts them all in the right place and goes, oh, you know, like what, like ADR is part of sound sound editing. And then they would put all the stuff onto the timeline in the right place and then the sound mixer decides how loud each of them should be. I'm right. surprised
2: Dunkirk's nominated for sound mixing because that's literally the worst thing about the movie is the sound mixing in it. Yeah, when, Nolan's
1: got weird a weird relationship with sound I've, mixing. I've
2: talked about this before. I think I talked about this on our 2017 film wrap-up was that the sound mixing in Dunkirk, the fact that you can't understand all the time what Tom Hardy's saying in the plane and the fact that Nolan has been guilty of this before with like you couldn't really understand Bane you couldn't really understand Michael Caine and Interstellar and the fact that he's gone on record and said he's doing it intentionally which might just be him covering his yeah well record. the fact that
1: he like there's stories of he would go and watch Interstellar in like different cinemas and sit in different places to make sure the sound mixing was perfect yeah and it's like it's not it's, <laughs> it's not no like <laughs> it, is, that it is, is and I'm no Christopher Nolan I would
2: argue that's bad filmmaking to have your dialogue be drowned out yeah especially in the case of Dunkirk where I was really interested in hearing what he was saying and still couldn't understand him
1: yeah this is I mean but then again I, I, you could make the argument that it's the dialogue is an important Dunkirk
3: and also he's doing it to try and make it more authentic presumably yeah you know like how well could you really hear um, yeah like but a, what
2: like, if it's an essential dialogue yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: but presumably again the,
2: yeah, the, well okay sure but Bane I mean, Bane and the Dark Knight Rises you can't understand him all the time and he mm. is essential dialogue. yeah yeah
1: but I mean, this is again. These are ones I could see Baby Driver taking home. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, uh, yeah I'd say, sound really drives that.
3: Baby of a film. Ooh, nice. Oh nice. But also, you know, yeah, you talk about the bad sound mixing for Dunkirk. Some of that stuff is pretty amazing as well, though. Like, when the first gunshots rattle off, like, when mm. those guys are walking down that, like, French street, yeah. and then they hit, there was the moment where I was like, okay, we're locked in for two hours, baby. Such a, such a good movie. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, like... Okay, so what do we think for sound mixing? What are we what are we locking in? Sound... Are we going to go Dunkirk?
3: I would... I would put Dunkirk out there, but that's more of to do with like the, the what are they, the like,
1: not dialogue
3: mixing, but they're like other sound effect mixing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really abstract thing to try and
1: nail down. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And like,
1: what about sound editing? Sound editing, I would go um, Baby Driver because yeah. they like everything's timed to the yeah, music. Yeah. 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 Um, so then, best original song. We've got uh, Mighty River from Mudbound by Mary J. Blige, first person to ever be nominated in an acting and um, best song category.
0: Damn!
1: Uh, Mystery of Love by, uh, from Call Me by Your Name by Sofia Stevens, uh, Remember Me from Coco, uh, Stand Up for Something from Marshall, and This Is Me from The Greatest Showman.
2: I, I have no idea. Is there a is there a consensus on what's probably going to win um, out there? Oh
1: yeah. I'd say. Rem- remember me this is me and mystery of love are all pretty i feel
2: like it's gonna be this is me because that's been the biggest one to like boom into the outside of its own movie like that's the one yeah. i haven't seen greatest yeah. showman and i've heard that song
1: yeah it's so i don't like it i just wanky and like <laughs> it, like so the, it's written by the same guys that won last year for uh city of stars for la la land mm-hmm. which wasn't the best song that year um but yeah, I mean, Mystery of Love is probably my favorite song. Uh, yeah, I'd
3: go for that Yeah, one. I would prefer Sufjan Stevens to win.
1: But also, Remember Me from Coco is so... Like, the entire film hinges on that song. And you hear, like, four or five different arrangements of it. Yeah, and th- e- each one of them means something incredibly different and provides a different emotional... Yeah. Point for the it's, it's
2: the same argument that about VFX for War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Like is it the best song or is it the song that informed the movie
1: the most? Yeah. I mean it's it's a cool song. Yeah. But it's like yeah. the fact that we see so many different arrangements of it and all these songs are being performed at the ceremony. Yeah. And I mean I don't even know what version of Remember Me they're gonna do. Yeah. Uh yeah. So I would I would probably Put my money on Remember Me.
3: Yeah, that'd be the out and out front runner, surely. Because yeah. they've won like everything, or quite a lot of things. Everything. Well. Yeah, because
1: Great Showman isn't doing that well. Yeah.
3: I'm
2: just going from how much I've been exposed <laughs> yeah. to that song compared to the days.
1: Um, original score, you got Dunkirk, Hans Zimmer, Fan of Three, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Uh, the Shape of Water, you've got Alexandre Desplat. Uh, Star Wars Last Jedi John Williams and Three Billboards Outside in Missouri Carter Burwell
2: uh, it's gotta go to Dunkirk surely there again that that stuff is so fun it's the only one out of those that like I noted other than Star Wars because it's iconic like while watching the movie itself
1: you know yeah and so John Williams also breaks the record for most nominated living individual with his 51st nomination oh my and god and so he wow. beat out his own record <laughs> wow damn um, yeah i actually think shape of water could take this one really
2: what well, was leaving the yeah. music in shape yeah. uh
1: shape of water had quite nice music and i think they won the golden globe um yeah it's it's understated and it's yeah it's, it, it informs the movie quite quite well
2: is it just like 50s Move music, like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know yeah, I I how to describe it. I don't want to set the world <laughs> on fire. Um, adjust your podcast app so there's some nice crackle there. I <laughs> like,
1: yeah, this one I, I, I would say Star Wars isn't going to win it. I say Three Billboards isn't going to win it. I'd like to see Phantom Thread win it. They had a cool soundtrack, and Johnny Greenwood's really good yeah I'd probably put it between Dunkirk and Shape Water
3: yeah you want to say probably it'll be Shape Water I don't want to say that anyway I don't want to I don't know what you guys want to say I want to say Dunkirk
1: yeah
2: okay I'm going to say Dunkirk our
1: first disagreement shut up Uh, so uh, next we've got um, the animated short film live action short film documentary short and documentary feature and foreign language film I don't think we've seen like any of these because they're just not made readily sure, available sure, so sure much so might skip those I will say Best Animated Short Film Lou from that was yeah, before yeah. Cars 3 was nominated that was amazing I yeah, loved I,
2: that I like that more than Cars 3 um, so I, I would like to
1: see that win but again I, I mean I can't comment because I don't know the other ones uh, so next we've got Best Animated Feature Film The Boss Baby The Breadwinner Coco Coco Ferdinand <laughs> Lovingvinson it's, yeah. co-
2: it's fucking Coco yeah. either change the change the award or yeah. take it out completely like, yeah I
1: mean like Loving Vincent, I would have thought could win because the yeah, achievement it. Terrible. It's but such a feat, eh? Yeah. Coco, and all, like, uh, the animated feature film was the fucking dumbest. <laughs> like, yeah. Because,
3: like, yeah. Like you just got to make a kids' film, basically, right? Like, yeah.
2: But no, I mean, we talk about the Lego movies. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but the, but the fact are, that no the, one, yeah. the Academy doesn't seem
1: to watch them. Or like, care not or.
2: only was the Lego Batman movie better than Boss Baby, and I'm assuming Ferdinand. Yeah. But so was the Lego Ninjago movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, Like
2: the the Lego movie everyone forgot about last yeah. year. Yeah. Like that was better.
1: Um. Okay. Now we're now we're up to the the big ones so these, these are considered yeah, the ones, ones that are actually considered a pre- um, prestigious sound editing um, is so you've got best adapted screenplay uh, call me by your name James Ivory the oldest he's not actually the oldest ever um, the oldest ever person to be nominated for an academy award is 89 and one week older than James Ivory oh man uh, and she's nominated for documentary
3: damn wow
1: yeah um, so you've also got the disaster artists it's only nomination even though it did really well at the golden globes um, so, yeah, that's obviously based on the book. And then you've got Logan, the first time a superhero movie has been in the adapted screenplay um, mm-hmm. category. And the second time a uh, a superhero film has been nominated for a screenplay award, first was The Incredibles, mm-hmm. um, which was original, obviously. And then you've got Molly Ga- Molly's Game, Aaron Sorkin, and Mudbound.
2: Um, it's between Call Me By Your Name, Phantom Thread... Who's not there. oh no
1: what's my reading Fantasy, call me by your name the disaster artist Logan Molly's oh. Game of Man. it's not even a competition it's, it's called by your name
2: yeah sorry can...
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah well okay disaster artist maybe in another in another world yeah
1: in a less James Franco world <laughs> yeah yeah no this one yeah I'd say this is cut and dry sweet um, original screenplay you got The Big Sick written by Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani you've also got this year another like Record breaking thing is the most um, married couple nominations. You've oh. got like, um, uh, where is it? Let me see. You've got, um, Emma Thomas and Christopher Nolan, Best Picture for Dunkirk. Um, Emma Thomas. P- Thomas, yeah, not the... Thompson, not Thompson. Oh. Um, Joanne Seller and Daniel Lupi, producers on the Phantom Thread. You've got, uh, the best documentary short for Heroin. Uh, another best documentary short, best animated short has one, best original screenplay, these guys. Best original song for Coco is by a married couple. Um, and Best Animated Feature for Loving Vincent, and also acting nominees Leslie Manville and Gary Oldman were married but got divorced in nineteen
2: ninety. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, okay, so Best Original So uh, Yeah,
1: you got the Big Sick, beautiful film. Uh, Get Out, Lady beautiful Bird, film. Shape of Water, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing. Sorry,
2: that's the first genuinely like holy fuck. Any like, one of yeah. those could take it home. Like, i can going be angry. I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go through each one. Yeah. and say why I think it should win, irrespective yeah. of the others. Yeah, okay. Right, so Big Sick is like a feat like it's it's. it's it, someone asked me the other day do they even make rom-coms anymore and I was like I don't know and then I looked up 2017 rom-coms this is the only answer hmm. this is the big thing and it's great and it's it's, it's new beautiful. and different yeah um, Get Out my goodness what an original idea what an original way to show those ideas there's so much of a writer's voice in that film in a very good way uh, Ladybird Bird um, I don't know Lady, Lady Bird's very, very much a, a like, again, it feels written... It's very autobiographical. Yeah. Um, well, it's... So, so much like get out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, much like Get Out. Get out. Um, well, no, I'm assuming those things didn't happen to Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Peele. <laughs> um, uh, Shape of Water, I think it's only in there because it's... Doing its cute, cute little sweet, taking t- 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 all the like. I yeah. actually didn't think the Shave of Water screenplay was particularly good, um, as we sort of talked about the story. Three billboards yes. and three billboards. What a writer's movie! Yeah, yes. Martin yes, McDonough's like, a writer yeah, first yeah, and yeah.
1: foremost, and this and I, th- I, I always thought Three Billboards was a play. No, he's nah, Martin McDonagh is a playwright. Yeah. yeah, but I always thought that it was like nah. we, when, it was, when he was doing Three Billboards, it's like he's adapting his play Three Billboards into a I don't think but yeah, I would, I would be leaning towards Get Out. Really? I'd be leaning towards reason. Big
2: Sick because it's not represented anywhere else.
1: Yeah, no, see, so that's why I, I no. I'd be leaning towards... Like, was... like I, for me, sorry, the, the, for me, the Big Sick is like, you're not going to win, but here's a nomination cool. so that you have that, that sure, in your, sure, in your yeah. portfolio.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I would say if they were going to go through with The Shape of Water winning Best Picture, then, like, maybe Three Billboards would win, like, Best Screenplay. Hmm,
1: hmm. But
3: yeah, I guess people also don't tend to vote like that like oh, I'll give them one mm. for this one well then. I
2: would yeah, I some. would point out though three billboards is the only one that could win in that category that doesn't feel like it's facing off films against each other like if either the big sick get out or Ladybird win I feel like everyone like that's more like oh but this one was just as good I feel like maybe I'm saying three billboards is better than all of those films right like, yeah right? you're but
1: saying it's on another level yeah
2: yeah right I don't think I am necessarily win I think it's, yeah it's the one to, to give it to without with that with causing the least um, yeah. upset.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say, like, I'd almost go Get Out because if you're awarding <clears throat> the originality of a screenplay, yeah, because cool. it's the best original screenplay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's like, yeah, then that, I would give, I would say Get yeah. Out, and I feel like that's probably the one that Jordan Peele's getting the most buzz around. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I would love to see an accepted speech from Jordan Peele. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty amazing, eh?
1: or actually, I'd like to see <laughs> one from Camille Nandiani as well. Mm. Um, all right, now to the big six. <laughs> I said that Well, <laughs>
2: there are only four big ones. Nah. Um, nah.
1: Nah. Nah.
2: Nah. nah,
3: nah. nah.
1: nah. <laughs> so you got Best Supporting Actress, Mary J. Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, Alison Janney for I, Tonya, Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. Incidentally, um, Octavia Spencer is the first African-American woman to be nominated for an Academy Award after winning one really <laughs> ridiculous holy um, man and she's also been nominated three times for films that takes place in the 1960s
3: <laughs> yeah when i saw that movie i was like man they really just they really just typecast her as as as, as, as being in the 50s yeah like yeah. the the supporter it's the supporting actor in the 50s who's like a bit quirky
1: yeah, and also like is doing all the work behind the scenes. Yeah, um, um, this I, one is between Alison Janney and Laurie Metcalf. I'd say
2: I would want Laurie Metcalf to give to get it, but I think Alison Janney's going to
1: get yeah. it. Yeah, Alison Janney's swept all the awards yeah. so yeah. far. It's a very similar performance, I would say, to jk Simmons and Whiplash.
2: They are the male and female versions of each other as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's the like sort of <laughs> swearing and hitting you, but secretly I want you to do well. Yeah. yeah. um but, and we'll talk about this again in a second, but Laura, like, feels like Allison Janney's acting harder, but Laura Metcalf's acting better. Yeah. Like, yeah. this this vision of, like, a mother who's trying her best and loves her daughter deep down, but kind of like doesn't want a, to... Like a grounded
2: her. version of Malcolm in the Middle's mum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, can I also just shout out for Leslie Manville and the Phantom Thread? Yes, yeah, sir oh my god so good like yeah. uh, obviously like i would say to Alison, jenny and, and Laura mccuff like on a different level but yeah. like oh man lisa manville is so good this thing where she's like if you try like when they're sitting down he starts to yeah, daniel Lewis's character starts to like abuse her and she's like if you try something with me i will run right through you and i was like man lady <laughs> <Yeah. so> <laughs> like just
1: ripped him apart yeah being the only person that can like Speak up to Reynolds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was. She was great. But yeah, this is one I would. I would. hedging my bets, I'd put my I'd safely put my money on Alice and Jenny. But yeah. I'd like to see Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. One. So, yeah. Because you know she didn't get the recognition she deserved for being Andy's mum in Toy Story. She didn't. <laughs> it's true. Um, now you got Best Supporting Actor. Again, this is another like.
2: Andy dinner.
1: Uh, so you've got. You can bring one toy. <laughs> Amazing got... performance. <laughs> you got Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project as Bobby Hicks, which we haven't talked about yet, and we will, just here. Uh, you got Woody Harrelson and Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins and Chef Water, Christopher Plummer and All the Money in the World, the f- a film he shot in, what, like eight days or something? And then you've got Sam Rockwell and Three Billboards. First time since uh, a certain amount of time ago. I've got it written down somewhere. Um, yeah um first time since bugsy in 1992 that um two actors are nominated um for supporting actor in the in same song
2: um all right okay woody harrelson is a isn't shouldn't have been nominated yeah he's nah, fine but he's nah. not he's not the same uh, caliber as everyone else uh and it's between sam rockwell and christopher Plummer. christopher Plummer for the story as we said you for the story like probably not Oh
1: okay, yeah well i mean i'd say because like, before any award season, I would have said maybe, yeah. But, like, Christopher Plummer hasn't gotten any buzz. Right, okay. Um I would say it's between Willem Dafoe and Sam Rockwell. Those are the ones getting the the buzz around them. Sam Rockwell should win and is probably obviously going to win because the the journey his character goes yeah, yeah. on. And Sam Rockwell is one of my favorite actors and he's always consistently amazing and everything. Yeah. But Willem Dafoe, yeah, the Florida Project, which... Was one that a lot of people kind of thought would get a bit of awards love, but it's mostly been left behind. Um, Are we going to talk about Florida Project in full now? Yeah, I think at least just have yeah. a little quick discussion about it because I think right. it's more important. Yeah, yeah. So
2: Willem Dafoe's great in it. Um, he there's nothing to say about his performance beyond it. it's very real and he plays a very warm um, character. Yeah uh and the movie itself was really cool until literally the last 90 <laughs> seconds where it, it makes a very weird
1: decision it's a reverse call you know. and yeah. yeah
2: and then you end the movie being like
3: i don't really like the ending yeah yeah it's comically bad the ending is comically <laughs> bad but not in like a oh man they're trying to be funny more just like man you have to not have work. tried
1: to fuck that up yeah, yeah. but um yeah I defoe's Really good in it because I'd heard Willem Dafoe should win the Oscar. He's amazing, and so I was like, oh, okay, cool. I, I want it. I can't wait to see Willem Dafoe choose some scenery and mm. really um, sink his teeth, his weird fucking teeth, into the role. But there's no Green Goblin. He doesn't actually yeah, have those teeth. There's no Oscar scene. You know, yeah. there's. I, I read a thing that was saying about how you keep expecting him to turn into a movie character, and he never does. Mm. He's always just this realistic lovely man that's just doing his best and there's a lot of quiet somber Mm. moments from an actor who we used to you know being very and it's not lovely in
2: the way that he's outwardly loving to people it's a very like he's just very protective over people he doesn't actually have responsibility to be protective over, yeah. so it's like you
3: know, goes the extra mile yeah. for us. He's, no, he's for not loving in. in the sense of like being too loving. He's loving in the sense of Laurie Metcalf in mm. Ladybird. Mm. yeah, yeah, mm. but not Elsie, Jenny, and Antonia, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and so there's anything say about the mother and um, about Lois from Malcolm in the Middle is mm. that she's kind of midway between Laurie Metcalf and Allison Janney, yeah, yeah,
3: totally. Um, um, but yeah, uh, Florida Project for me. Holy crap! Amazing movie. One of probably one of about four movies I saw like within the
1: last year that has like stuck with me strongly. Um, yeah, because I guess for us it's like, and I was overwhelmed if I would talk about this in an interview. They're like. It's this weird subculture that we don't really even know exists. Yeah. And like, as well, Dafoe said, it, like, he didn't know that people lived like that.
2: Yeah, the fact that it's set in the slums outside Disneyland. What a cool idea. Yeah. yeah. Like, what but, um, <laughs> Disney World or Disneyland?
1: Uh, well, they Disney get, World,
2: yeah. They get, su- su- they get sensitive, if you
1: say that. Um, yeah, because apparently the, the director's previous film, Tangerine, is another like, this is a subculture that most people don't know well, about. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I would. I would say Sam Rockwell's got this in the bag. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would like to see William Dafoe win, but yeah, that's yeah. not looking like yeah. good. Best actress, uh, not even a competition, but we'll, we'll read them out anyway. You have got Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water, Frances McDormand three billboards, Margot Robbie, Itonia, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and Lady Bird and Meryl Streep in the post. This is so like it's not a competition. Yeah, it's you have Okay,
2: <clears throat> Frances McDormand. Yeah. yeah that's that's it. It. Yep. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah none of those other ones except maybe sally hawkins had particularly challenging roles like and maybe that's not what what a best actress makes but i don't know like, yeah it, it, uh, they the franz McDormand has the luxury of being both those things yeah i'd
1: say the uh, the, the acting hard and acting well yeah. she has the perfect marriage of those two yeah um all right best actor you got timothy chalamet call me by your name uh daniel day lewis in phantom thread daniel kaluuya in get out Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour and Denzel Washington and Roman J. Israel Esquire.
2: It's definitely going to Washington. Um, Denzel's got it down. It's interesting
1: as well that um, this is one of few times that uh, the person who uh, lost a Golden Globe isn't up against the person that beat them. Because um, Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for the um, musical comedy Mm -hmm. uh, and lost to James Franco and he wasn't nominated.
2: The hilarious musical comedy that was Get
1: Out yeah i mean this one it's again it's probably just going to go to gary oldman because he's been picking up every award but i would love to see this go to timothy chalamet
2: i almost feel i kind of believe it will to be honest i don't know mm. gary oldman's the obvious choice but chalamet I, is just yeah the fact that he was able to turn as we said before a movie that i was like oh yeah, it's all right into one of the best movies i've seen this year just with his acting. Just with his
3: acting. Plus also like seeing, seeing Lady Bird and like seeing him in um, Call Me By Your Name as well. He's like completely different and mm. amazing in both of them. Like mm. somehow seeing that performance. Like when I saw Call Me By Your Name first I was like man that guy's there's an Oscar worthy performance. And then I saw um, Lady Bird and I was like damn it this guy's holy. <laughs> <laughs> honest... yeah.
1: Come on. And also the, for me it's the fact that um, Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour is like. You can put any actor doing a British accent in a fat suit and they'll probably they can deliver. They'll a do beautiful. different versions. Yeah, Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman is very, very good. good in it. Yeah. But whereas, but I mean, I'm just saying, compare that to Timothy Chalamet, who was like this complex, beautiful character that needed to be played by mm. someone exactly like him.
2: Who else could you could have played Winston Churchill in a fat suit?
1: Well, I mean, um, uh, John Lithgow played him in The Crown and did a good okay. job yeah
3: but I mean part of Gary Oldman's success in the darkest hour is like not the blustering like you cannot reason with a you cannot reason with a head when its mouth is in its tiger Like, my favourite parts of that performance is, like, the quiet parts where he's, like, with his family and stuff, you know, like...
1: Mm, My favourite part's the up-your-bum scene.
3: Ah, the up-your-bum scene. And he's just (laughs) laughing at his ear. If you haven't seen Darkest
2: Hour, that sounds like just an immature insult from Richard, but it's (laughs) an actual scene in the film. Yeah. I liked the up-your-bum scene. That's something I would have seen (laughs) as, like, a little kid. I
1: like the you're dumb scene, AJ. I like Um, the
3: scene where, shut up... (laughs) Um, is it also fascinating that Daniel Day-Lewis can be nominated for Best Actor, but not really in the conversation? Not even, yeah, not even. Even day-to-day though day-to-day.
1: his performance is insanely good, it's yeah. like, not in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, maybe I mean, there's there's a chance for an upset that Daniel Day-Lewis will just take it home because it's a swan song. He's yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis. yeah, yeah. Give it to Daniel because Day- he Daniel Day-Lewis is shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's interesting like almost all of these categories best actress I'd say is the one that has the like most deserving and the favourite are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like the other three are like someone's been picking up all the awards but there's one that I would love to see an yeah. upset. Or like you could easily see one. Um, Sorry. and right, the home stretch the big two. The big two. <laughs> uh, so you got best director. And that, this, this is quite an interesting one. So you got Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk his first nomination. Uh, Jordan Peele for Get Out. Only the fifth African-American um, person to be nominated for Best Director uh, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird only the fifth female to be nominated for Best Director Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread and Guillermo del Toro the fifth Latin American person to be nominated for Best Picture uh, uh, for Best Director and Shape of water call me when it's the first <laughs> It's not how time works
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah I would say judging by the patterns and yeah. I know you, you you haven't been a fan of these based on your opinion so far, AJ. But like I would say, Del Toro. Yeah. And yeah. Because I think Del Toro is going to win Best Director. I would probably retroactively say that he is likely to win a lot of the technical awards as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is. I'd say he's probably the favorite. I mean, but then, but then Dunkirk's been pretty underrepresented at all the other awards, and there is a chance that Dunkirk. Could do well. It's probably yeah. the Vegas odds have it at the third or fourth favorite.
2: I would love any of them to win.
1: Yeah. 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 Do you? Do you? What would you put your money on?
2: What would I put my money on? Del Toro. Yeah. Just because yeah. that's what people are saying. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
3: What would? Who
1: would I like? To be fair, I probably love to see the other four more. than Yeah. The exactly. Del Toro. Maybe
2: Jordan Peele would be my favorite of mm. them.
1: Yeah. In terms of directing. Yeah. All right. Best picture, so we've just to go through the nominees again, uh, we got Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom 3, The Post, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Even Missouri. All right. Everyone, you like, also, do you like, so the, that's an alphabetical order that when we went through them at the start, I started at Dunkirk, so Darkest Hour will be the last. Oh. I <laughs> just do it in a random order.
2: Ah, um, uh, clear that. Uh, Everyone say your favourite, not the yep. one you want to win. Yep. Richard? Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name. I'm going to go through Three Billboards
3: nice no. I'd say that's
2: number two
1: for me to be fair yeah, yeah yeah call
2: me by your name is like nipping at its heels yeah,
1: right. yeah. Uh, and then what do you think will win like you have to put money on it AJ <sighs>
3: um three billboards Aaron what do I think will win if I put money on it yeah. probably
1: the shape of water disappointingly for me yeah I'm probably going to go three billboards yeah um which I'd be happy to see so AJ
2: wins then is what you're saying uh mm-hmm. I would like this his
1: favourite one wins but like <laughs> Okay, so that's yeah, I kind think of, that's what he's saying. We've all spoke. We've spoken about how we sort of. Uh, it's good to you know, get each other. Everyone's favourites, but to wrap up, mm-hmm. I mm. would say 2017 is possibly the best. Like in the time that I've been like a film consumer, this was the best year of movies I've ever seen. Yeah, this was like not only because 2016 was such a disappointment. Mm. I mean. I can't remember a lot of the Oscar films. I mean, I know Moonlight One, La La Land was uh, was one of the favourites. But the blockbusters were all terrible in 2016. 2017, we had some good ones, like. Black Panther? No, 2018. Yeah, like all the Marvel movies. All the Marvel movies were, were, were probably
2: Marvel's best year since 2012. Yeah, opinion. and
1: then, um, yeah, we had some crappy ones like last year. But. um... <laughs> some, some... Just really slip that in there. Uh, yeah, no, like. This is I I love this year for film like each of them is, are different in their in their own rights. There was none that I watched and thought, oh, why is that there? Hmm. Yeah, um, which is which has happened in previous years. But yeah, this one it's hard to pick as well. And like there there are a couple, and if you look at the patterns of the awards, there's normally there's like a the artist or the king's speech that so it's like it's not over competition. That one's going to win, and it's yeah. just a matter I, about
2: there's not there's not a the only reason I know the frontrunners this year is because. People have told me. I could have told you King's Speech was going to win. I feel, yeah.
1: You know? Like, like before the nominees even came yeah, out you're yeah, going like, yeah, like yeah. King's Speech will win. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. It's great year for films. Great year for the human race. I don't know. I don't think it was actually. No. <laughs> no. Not a classic. Is but there I mean, ever a year that's great for the human I mean, race? it wasn't a great year. It was a great year for like the output of films but for like Hollywood it was a real bad year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well I know I guess it's a good year that everything came to light and I guess that it's starting to stop. Hmm. Mm. Hey, maybe every other. Year. Maybe no, like, it's the best year for conversations films.
2: Conversations
1: lead back to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This conversation. Uh, so, we'll see you. Yeah. Next year. See you, you at is, the Oscars. Um, yeah, I mean, and watch the Oscars. Uh, make a little scorecard. Mm. Yeah, we um, would love to hear your productions. And
2: thank you for listening to. If you've listened to the full Oscar season that we've done. We don't know if we'll do it next year because we feel like we've ran out of topics beyond predictions like this episode that we yeah. could do again but we'll, you know I'd uh, love to do
1: this, this episode again Yeah, yeah That's yeah. the movies are as good Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening Check out Cold Pop Show on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter Instagram SoundCloud SoundCloud iTunes uh, Gmail Media d- Gmail Gmail uh, at gmail.com What do you Do you guys want to say, say, hi, say hi to your mum? What are Do you can to say hi to Mum? Hi, um,
3: Mum. Hi, Mrs. Richardson.
2: <laughs> Alright, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh. He's a guy. I'm back in the pocket. He's a friend in the So box. just pull this out. Hold up.